Amen. Romans chapter 13. And uh, last week we looked at verses 11 and 12. Tonight we're going to look at 13 and 14, but let's read verse 11 and 12 again and then go on down to verse 13 and 14 as well. So Romans chapter 13, verse 11. And do this, knowing the time, that it is high time, never been a better time, to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, far overdue. Not another day. The day is at hand. Any day or hour we know not of, the Lord's coming back very soon. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in rivalry and drunkenness and licentiousness and lewdness and strife and in envy, and put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill its lust. So, if you look at verse 11, it's time to wake up. If I was at junior high camp, I would say, wake up! But I won't do that here. This isn't junior high camp. Wake up! Spiritually, it's time to wake up. The Lord's coming back. Any day, any hour, we know not exactly when. As we looked last week, each time the Lord talked about end times, He always said, and you watch yourself. You take care. You, believer, Christian, follower, disciple who is hearing Jesus' voice, you make sure that you're not cut up with the cares of everyday life. Make sure you're not weighed down with drunkenness or rivalry. Make sure that you're not chasing after the deceitfulness of riches. Believers, make sure you are where you need to be. Why? Because Satan in these last days is trying to lull the church to sleep by saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Everything's okay. It's not okay. Things are horrible. You cannot pray in our schools. They have said that it's in our constitution, separation of church and state. Guys, the word separation, the word church, the word state, none of those are even in the constitution. But they're not only telling you it's in the constitution, but it's our first amendment. That it's not even supposed to be there. So again, it's ridiculous what's going on. And now they're forcing homosexuality on everyone. The new uh, bill they're trying to pass, 222 right now, well, they've been trying to do, they've, they've done this dozens of times in the last uh, decade, but this time it looks like it might have a chance of passing, where they're actually going to say that every company has to have X amount of homosexuals in your company. And that includes churches. That includes church schools. That includes every organization. So, you know, has the, the minority status. You have to have so many black people, so many Mexican people, so many people that are disabled in one way or another. Now they're coming back and they're saying, and X amount of homosexuals. Now, a few years ago, they tried to say X amount of people with AIDS had to work at your company. And I'm sure that's not too far behind it. And so we're in a very, very wicked hour. Very wicked hour. And uh, it's time to wake up. And God's flashing all, God is flashing all the red lights saying, guys, I'm letting you know that the day and hour of my coming is like no other time. It's like Sodom and Gomorrah. I don't know if you just heard about But the American Psychological Association, the American Psychological Association just took out pedophilia as a mental illness. Two decades ago, they took homosexuality out as a mental illness. They said homosexuality is perfectly normal. There's no mental illness to it. 
People are born that way. It's healthy that they be that way because that's who they are. As physically destructive as it is on the person, as psychologically as destructive as it is on the person, you know, it's just sad. It's just incredibly sad. And of course, it destroys the society. But two decades ago, 20 years ago, why the church was sound asleep, snoring away, it didn't bother us. We didn't wince. We didn't make a move. Just like when prayer was taken out of the schools in 1963, we just, no big deal, plenty of time to pray outside the school. We just slept. We just slept right through it. Well, now they're taking pedophilia out. And they're actually saying it's healthy. Sex between adults and willing minors should be described in a more positive terms, the study suggests. A willing encounter would be labeled simply an adult child sex. What about pedophilia? We don't like that word. Sounds horrible. We don't like homosexuality. We like gay. Well, it's not gay. It's, it's perversion. You don't want the clinical word homosexuality, so they call it gay or bisexual or whatever they want to call it. It's weirdness. And so now they're saying with a willing minor. So you say to the three-year-old kid, are you willing? Piece of candy, sure, whatever you want. Can can a child really know? You can get a child to agree to anything if you tell them you're going to take them out for donuts later or go get an ice cream. It's it's beyond sick, guys. And this is the scientific, psychological community saying we're taking it out. It's no longer considered a disease. A matter of fact, we find it healthy. It goes on to say, in adult child sex, in value neutral term, the author's advice, a willing encounter between an adolescent and an adult with positive uh, reactions. So they're saying, well, he's going to be an adolescent, somewhere between, uh, you know, 12 to, to 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Of course, they're trying to get the minor status moved down to 14 years old. And they're going to do it. They're, they've just about got it passed in England. We won't be far behind it. So a minor will no longer be an 18-year-old person. A minor will be a 14-year-old person. So therefore, the, the whole push, there's nobody else pushing this but the homosexual groups. You don't find the alcoholic uh, you know, mothers that are mad about drunk driving. You don't find them out saying, hey, let's get the move from 18 to 14. You, you don't find any other group. There's one group trying to get it moved, minority, from 18 to 14, okay? And that's the homosexual group. Why? Because they want to legalize having sex with 14-year-olds and above. But here now, with this term coming out, you can even lower it because it's not even... Uh, immoral, so therefore why should it be illegal? And uh, it goes on to say, a willing, a willing encounter would be a positive reaction, would be labeled scientific as an adult-adolescent sex. It goes on to say that the APA will quietly redefine pedophilia like it did homosexuality. In APA, the... Again, I, I described that a minute ago. The American Psychological Association um, is a sister organization. The American Psychiatric Association voted two decades ago to end the classification of homosexuality as a mental illness. And it goes on in this article and discusses it. Again, when's it going to end? Well, we know. The Bible clearly says the next thing on the agenda is bestiality. And it's, it's already happening. The internet is flooded with bestiality websites. You want pictures with, and then it goes into the details. It's right around, now that's shocking to us a little bit at this point, but you got to understand, back when I was 20 years old, homosexuality was shocking. And if you were to stand up and say, there's going to be churches that are open armedly going to accept the homosexuals, and not only that, homosexual pastors. You will see it. You probably would have been laughed out of the church for saying it. But now it's a fact. And so, again, it's, it's getting so crazy. At what point is the Lord going to come back? 
it's going to be soon. Now, as we talked about last week, it's always going to feel like overdue. Like, Lord, why didn't you already come back? Uh, that's going to be the feeling of the end times church. But all these things is the Lord telling us, wake up. Your redemption draws nigh. It's getting crazier and crazier. It's messing with your brain. Things get real fuzzy, real fuzzy and foggy, and you're trying to figure out what's... I, I can't even... I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think how they're thinking to try to debate them. Okay, so on what grounds could I debate a guy who says it's okay for him to have relations with a child and it should be legal and it's even healthy for that child? On what basis could I you know, try to climb into their mind to see what they could be thinking? What are their points that I could argue them? And, and my mind goes blank. I can't think that wickedly. I can't think that pervertedly to try to figure out what they're thinking in order even to debate them. But before I can even think how to debate it, it's already going to be legal. It's already going to be happening. Right now, you're an, a 14-year-old girl can go to school, will be taken by school officials to go have an abortion, come back, and nobody is required to tell their parents. That's law. You could, your child, your 13-year-old child, could go to school and go to the nurse and ask for a condom, and they will give them a condom. This is what's going on. It's illegal to take a knife, but you can take all the condoms you want. It's, it's nuts, folks. It's in our face. The red lights are flashing. God is screaming. I'm coming back soon. Church, wake up and do what you're supposed to be doing. Be the light. Be the salt. Be the believers that cause the non-believers to be hungry for me. The salt bringing preservation, bringing healing, bringing taste to a tasteless world. And of course, be in the light that men would be drawn unto Jesus. It's high time. It's high time. It's far spent, it says in verse 12. The night's far spent. So let's wake up. And in verse 12, it says then, let's cast off the works of darkness. Let's clean up. Let's wake up. Secondly, verse 12, let's clean up. Let's get rid of those works of darkness. And what? Let's put on, let's dress up. Let's put on the armor of light. So let's get off the unfruitful works of darkness. Let's get on the armor of light. And then he goes on in verse 13. Let us walk. Let's start walking again. A lot of Christians have sort of set still. They're not doing what they should be doing anymore. They're just sort of sitting there. No, let's pick up our Bibles. Spurgeon once said that there were so many carnal Christians in England that... 99% of them have enough dust on their Bible to write the word damnation. <laughs> Let's wake up. The world is going to hell. And I hope there's not enough dust on our Bible that we could write out the word damnation. And so again here, let's start walking as we ought to walk. Properly, honestly, as how in the daytime, not at night. And then he gives a list. Let's look at a few verses on putting off and putting on. Over in 1 Peter chapter 4, and then we'll go to 2 Peter. But 1 Peter chapter 4, again looking towards end times, verse we looked at last week. Therefore since Christ, 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 1, Therefore since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, Arm yourself also with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So how are we to look in these last days? Get ready to suffer in our flesh. Christ suffered in his flesh. Let's not be afraid to suffer. Americans in particular, we've had it so comfortable, so easy for so long. We are afraid of the least amount of discomfort. People literally are five doors down from the grocery store. They'll drive there. 
It's crazy. Over, over in Europe, it's, it's funny, in uh, Hungary there, if it was a, less than a mile away and your neighbors saw your car parked there, they would show up at your door and chastise you. They would, they would, the neighborhood would get together and mark you as a lazy person and they would scold you for wasting gas. That's exactly what they would do. Turn off the pagers, come on now. And so, but here, you know, we're, we're, man, what if I had to carry that bag, you know, a whole block? Gee, that would be tough, you know? We're, we're afraid of pain. We're afraid of suffering. But in these last days, it's going to come upon us. Let's get ready. That he no longer should live as the rest of the time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. Something about suffering is it really wakes us up spiritually. I know one philosopher had mentioned that if he did not spend a day to have the cold nip at his cheeks and to feel the, the breaking of at least a, a leaf under his foot, he for sure would end up in sin by the end of the day. There's something about physically hurting and about naturally being in nature that wakes you up. But when you're sitting there and you're watching TV and this guy gets shot and he just lays there perfectly with a little blood spurting out, you know, that's not the way people get shot. They're screaming, they're yelling, it's, it's, there's blood going everywhere. But, you know, we have these nice little pictures, you know, the guy in the car, you know, the, the hero, you know, rams into everybody and everything and then jumps out and still gets the bad guy. And then, of course, with soap operas, you know, you see this guy cheating on this guy, and then they get married to another person, there's a beautiful wedding, and then they have this great honeymoon, and, you know, tons of money, beautiful houses, great cars, and, you know, it, it desensitizes us to reality. And so we start thinking, well, what's the big deal? What, why not commit adultery? They're desensitized. They say there's no pain in it, you see. And then what happens? They can't feel the pain. They've cheated on their wife and their wife is broken and hurt and they can't feel it. They're just like going, what's the big deal? If you cheated on me, I wouldn't care. What's, I don't understand. What's the big point? And the same with fornication. We're desensitized where we can't feel that evil and wrong is wrong. We can't feel that wickedness really needs to stop. We're just sort of like, well, you know, I'm not going to go that far, but if they do, it doesn't really bother me. I still get my paycheck. My TV still works. What's it matter? And so we become desensitized to the world around us. And so again, if we wake up, we need to realize spiritually that we're not to live the rest of our time in our flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. In verse 3 of 1 Peter 4, for we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles, or the will of the heathen. We've spent enough time living a, a hedonistic lifestyle. When we walked in lewdness and lust and drunkenness and rivalries and drinking parties and abominable idolatries. Basically the same list that Paul's going to give in Romans, we're going to go over in a minute. In regard to these things, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. So, again, the, the world looks at us going, why aren't you out drinking with us? Why aren't you out fornicating like we are? Why aren't you out looking at the latest movies that, you know, I don't understand what the big point is. They can't, they can't understand it. Their mind is already darkened. They're past filling. Look at Second Peter, and we'll come to that passage. Second Peter chapter 3. I believe we looked at this one last week also. In verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away, the great noise, the elements will melt with a fervent heat, both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, verse 11, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with a fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, 
be diligent to be found by Him in peace. Listen, these things are coming up, so let's get diligent to be found by Him in peace without spot and blameless and account that the long-suffering of the Lord is salvation as also our beloved brother Paul writes and he goes on. So knowing that these things are coming to pass, knowing that, you know, everything's going to burn, knowing that it's not going to be here, that all of it's going to seem pretty silly when we get up to heaven. And we look down and we're going, man, I remember just sweating trying to get that car or trying to get that great job or trying to get that new couch or trying to get, you know, it's, it was so stupid of me spending so much time and energy on those things from my heavenly perspective now. So if you were to die and be with the Lord right tonight and you're looking back over your life, how much of it really was wasted on things that have no heavenly reward or heavenly value or really practically any practical value of really blessing others right now? And so that's, that's the point. Get that heavenly perspective. And with that heavenly perspective, how should we be living differently today? Turn over to Ephesians chapter 4, if you would. And we'll look now at that putting off and putting on that whole concept. Of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardening of their heart, who being, notice verse 19, who being past filling, had given themselves over to lewdness, to work all in cleanliness with greediness, but you have not so learned Christ. So here Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus, and he's saying there's Christians, people calling themselves Christians at least, who are living like the heathen. And he's saying, I don't know what you guys are thinking, but I know the Holy Spirit's not leading you in that way, and I know that's not the way we taught you that what Christ said. But what happens as we learn in Hebrews 3, if you keep in sin, it, there's a deceptive quality in sin that causes the hardness of the heart. And so what happens is you're deceived by sin, and then while you stay in sin, your heart gets hard. And so the guy who's cheating on his wife, and he has three little kids at home, and he's got a girlfriend on the side, and his little kids say, Dad, you know, I'd like a, a new jacket, I'm cold, and, and he doesn't care. Because he wants to go spend a hundred bucks taking his girlfriend out on the other side of town. And when he sees his kids going off to school in the morning cold, because they have, they have a jacket that's too small for him, it doesn't really fit, he doesn't care. When he knows his wife is unhappy and senses something's wrong, he's just like, forget you. You're, you're, you're old meat, you're old stuff, I, I don't really care. There's a, there's a deceptive quality in sin that just, it just totally makes the person where they're past filling, they no longer give a rip about anybody but their fleshly appetite being fulfilled today. So all I care about today is that I get my quota of sex. All I care about today is I get my quota of drugs. All I care about today is I get my quota of my leisure happy time, whether that's down at the bar or in front of the TV or out at the movies or over at the sports, whatever sports they're in or whatever. You know, everything else is secondary to me, if even that. I've just, I've got to have my pleasure. I've got to have my enjoyment. I've got to have my sex. I've got to have my drinking. I've got to have my alcohol. I've got to have my whatever it is. And, and it's like they're hardened. And he says to the believers, you guys wake up, that this doesn't happen to you. And he makes it very clear that this is not to happen. We're no longer to walk in that way so those things can happen. 
We're not deceived. Our hearts don't get hard. We don't start being past filling. We don't start getting the word lewdness. We're going to look in a minute. Is is sexually uh, having no restraint. They have no restraint sexually. And uh, anyway, he goes on. But you have not so learned Christ in verse 21. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Verse 22. That you, notice, first of all, put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows, notice it grows, corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And so first of all, you have to just wake up and realize going, man, I've been doing this for years and I, it's, it's clear to me now through the scriptures by the Holy Spirit saying that, doing that, living that way is wrong. For me to waste my time, to waste my money, to waste my energies, or to just be involved talking like that, saying those kind of jokes, watching those kind of things, listening to that kind of thing, it's totally unfitting for the saints. It's totally out of the question. I, I am not to be a part of that. I should be doing this. That's the first thing. And so at that point, you put off. Now here's the thing. In these last days... 99% of the time, you're not going to feel it. You're not going to feel this outrage over your sin necessarily. Man, I'm never going to do that again. Boy, I just, you know, and give your little speech. It's sort of like, I love it. I don't really think it's that bad. And, you know, who cares? As long as I make it to heaven, I'll have a white robe. I don't really care if I have riches up there or not. And, and people are deceived. They're earthly-minded rather than heavenly-minded. And so they don't have that sense. But yet here you are. You're willing to say, Okay, God, I'm willing. Search my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. Help me to hate what you hate to the degree you hate it. I, I want to. And at that point, you put it off. Take it off. Take off those things that you used to do as a believer that typically believers do not do. So if there's things you're doing that you wouldn't want to take Jesus with you with, stop it. Are you going to a movie that you wouldn't want Jesus to sit there and watch you watch it with? Or is there a certain joke that you're telling that if Jesus were standing there, you don't think he would laugh at? Stop it. Put it off. Is there a certain magazine you're looking at or a certain thing on the internet you're looking at? Is there a certain mind frame in your mind of fantasy and thinking on things that aren't, again, pure or lovely or worthy of praise? Take it off. Rebuke it in the name of Jesus and say that is sin, that is wrong, whether I think it's only a one on the scale of one to ten is sin, but it's still there, it's still a one. And let God take your heart till it is a ten. To hate what he hates, to the degree that he hates it. Put off those things. And then what do you do? You get into the word of God. You get into fellowship. You get into a place where there's purity and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And so let God make your mind again like a pure baby. Let him make your mind pure again. There is no such thing as adult audience and children's audience. Not, that's something the world made up. The Bible says we are to be converted and become as children. <laughs> the Bible says that whether it's a child or an adult, things whether they're pure or honorable or noble or worthy to be appraised, it's the same thing. There should be nothing going into my head that's not going into my three-year-old's head. There should be no big giant change. Well, you know, I can handle it. I'm adult. No. I want my mind pure. I want my life pure, like that of a child. That's the way a believer wants to be, free. That's when you're really free in your mind. You're free in your body. You're free to say, man, I'm not weighed down. But there's people that are just bound. They see a magazine, they got to look at it. If there's something bad on TV, they want to sit there and watch it a little bit. If there's something on the internet, they have no willpower, there's no restraint, they'll look at it. If there's a movie, even though they know it's rated R, even though it's on God, they have no restraint, they run to it. 
And see, what they're doing to their mind is they're not renewing their mind, as it says here, uh, renewing the spirit of their mind, but they're renewing the spirit of the world. And fire begets fire. So I watched that action-packed movie in which there's cussing and nudity and, and exalts itself against the knowledge of God. There's nobody saying, God, help me. The enemy's raging. It's, I'll take care of it. I'll go kick his blankety blank, blank, blank. And he goes, you know, and does a superhero feat. And he does it. There's no God in that. It's pride of man. It's non-reality. It's exalting itself against the only God. But what happens when you watch it? You want to watch the sequel and the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one. And then all of a sudden, you, you can't get your fill and you go to the blockbuster and you rent 10 videos and you take them home and you got a, you know, all, you know, all weekend marathon. Because you can't get enough. That's the flesh. That's where Satan is trying to get you. He's trying to suck you into the black hole where your desire is greater than that which can be fulfilled. The vacuum is greater than that which can be fulfilled. And so whether it's sex, whether it's drugs, whether it's alcohol, whether it's entertainment, whether it's laziness, whether it's sports, he's trying to get your spirit renewed in that mind of the world. So you've got to have more. What happens when you get involved in something? You want, you want it more. But see, it also does the reverse. When you start getting into the Word of God, what do you want to know more about? The Word of God. When you really start thinking on things that are pure, what do you want? You want more things that are pure. When your life is full of innocence and, and loveliness, when your life is full of kindness and gentleness, and then all of a sudden something unkind, even the little bit unkindness comes in, you're sensitive to it. Yeah, oh, I don't, that's just not kind. That's impure. Oh, man, that's, that's horrible. What are you talking about? That's not that bad. Oh, it is to me. Because, see, your, your mind's been renewed. And so now you're, you're starting to sense things as God senses it. But what happens is we're around these things that are so impure, and then some impure thing comes, you're going, looks normal to me. That's not impure, is it? And, and you can't tell it's impure. Because your mind is not renewed in the things of the Spirit of God. And so we need to get rid of those things. Get rid of them. Get them away from me. I want now just to, to be isolated in this purity. And just I want to get my mind renewed back where it needs to be. That of a child. Back to innocence. Back to things that are lovely and noble and honorable. As it says there in Philippians 4.8. Things that are worthy of praise. These are the things I want to fix my mind on. And then... Now I'm sensitive. Now I can see if these other things are coming in are not keeping with the Spirit of God. I don't want to grieve the Spirit of God. I don't want to offend, as it says there in Romans 10, the Spirit of grace. And so he goes on to say here in Ephesians 4 that then, then what? Now you can put on the new man which was created according to God in the true righteousness and holiness. You see, you're not going to go watch some movie where people are getting kicked and beat and shot and ran over and things are exploding and nudity and cussing and all this stuff exalting itself against the knowledge of God and then to walk outside and go, wow, I just want to go out and witness. Man, I just, I just want to go home right now and just spend two hours in the Word. Man, I can't wait till this Sunday to go. You're, you're not going to be spiritually minded. What are you thinking? You're walking out going, man, is there another one like that? Is there another movie like that right now showing? Or is one coming out in another week or so? That's what your mind's doing. And you can't, you're desensitized. Your, your spirit is, is not innocent to be able to see how damaging it is to your soul. As we had talked about earlier, your soul, folks, I, I don't think it's something that can necessarily be repaired. Psalms 23 says he's restoring our soul. But I don't know if it ever gets back to where it needs to be. You see, our soul, I, I picture it in my mind. I don't know if this is correct or not. But I picture it like a, like a round CD disc. And God's made it perfectly whole as a, as a child. And it's just sort of going around just perfectly. 
But when we introduce things that aren't pure and lovely and worthy of praise, and especially in the area of sex, it's like somebody gets scissors and just cuts a big giant chunk out of it. And now as it's going around, click, 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 click. But every time we hear that click, click, we crave it more, even though it's wrong. We crave it even more now. And so now, even after you realize, man, this stuff is not good, and even though I want more in here, there's the devil just taking bigger and bigger chunks out. You always go back to that. Even though you know it's wrong, even though you know it's sin, even though you know it's disgusting, you want to go back to it. I have talked to couples in counseling where their first experience was in the backseat of the Chevrolet, sexually. And here they are at 10 years marriage and and they're having problems sexually because there's nothing exciting in the innocency of their own bedroom. It's innocent, so it doesn't turn me on. It's pure, so I I can't get turned on. It's lovely, so it doesn't do anything for me. I need something that's wrong, pornographic, erotic, sinful. Then I can get aroused. And so here's this married couple after being married 10 years, back in the back seat, out in some public place, doing something weird, you see, because there's that big chunk that's been taken out. And in Christ, I think it's healed to a degree, but I don't know if it gets completely healed until we go to be with the Lord. But I have seen people who genuinely look me in the eye going, I know What I am desiring is wrong and is sin and I want it out of my life and it's out of my life for a week or a month or a year, but man, I crave it still. Even though I'm in the Word, even though I'm in prayer, even though I'm away from it, there's still in the quietness this deep down craving. It's the soul. Their soul's been damaged. They're limping spiritually, limping in their emotions, limping in their will. Our soul is our will, our ability to say yes, yeah, excited, laugh. <laughs> oh, this is deep down laugh. You find people who are into pornography, they don't have a deep down laugh. Their soul is so wounded, so bruised, so beat up. You say, hey, let's just sit here in the park and look at the ducks and watch the trees. They'll, they'll pull out their Game Boy, you know, ding, 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 ding you know, whatever. They, they, they can't sit and just enjoy. They can't enjoy nature. They can't enjoy just the smell of fresh cut grass. They can't because their soul is so damaged that unless it's silicon, unless it's moving with lights and flashes and noise, and it, it doesn't work for them. They can't just enjoy a hike in the mountains because they're damaged in soul. And that's why I, I say it is important that we walk in the Spirit for a lot of reasons. Not just because it's the will of God, not just because it pleases God, but because you're going down a road that is going to take you off the deep end eventually. Emotionally, it's going to run your relationships, your marriage with your kids, with your work. You're going to get to the place that the only thing that brings you satisfaction is more of the same of whatever that you're heading into. And so we have to put off, then clear our mind, let our mind be renewed, and then to put on that new person in Christ Jesus. Look over, if you would, to Colossians chapter 3. There in verse 1. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, in other words, if you really are a believer, if you're really born again Christian here tonight, Seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death the members which are on the earth. Fornication, kill it, put it to death. In your mind, in your heart, in actuality, put it to death. Uncleanness, boy, that, again, sexually. The whole gamut of unclean sexual 
thought, life, practice, put it to death, kill it. Passions. Again, letting yourself get stir- stirred up. I, I know guys that they can't have a TV in their house because they'll be watching some innocent show, but the, the advertisements just stir them up sexually so much that they end up back in, in an old lifestyle before they were a Christian. It just really messes them up. And so here again, don't, don't let things, whether it's passions or whatever, if the Sunday newspaper comes and all of those ads are there and all those girls in their bras and all of that is during it, don't, don't get the Sunday newspaper. Don't be around it. Whatever it may be, again, don't let the passions get stirred up. Evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry, verse 6. Because of these things, the wrath of God, notice, is coming upon the sons of disobedience. So God's going to judge the world and send them to hell for these things, but yet here's believers who are going to heaven doing these things that people are going to get sent to hell for. In which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them, but now you yourselves, notice here, are to put off. Here you are, you've got to get rid of this. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. So let's get, let's put to death fornication and cleanness. Let's get rid of anger and wrath and malice. And then what? Let's put on the new man, which again is renewed, how? In the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So now I can put on the Spirit of God and walk as Jesus walked. Talk as Jesus talked. I want to be just like Jesus, to live as Christ has lived. Turn over to a couple more and we'll quit here tonight. In James chapter 1, verse 21. James chapter 1, verse 21. Therefore, instead of using the term put off, he uses the term lay aside, same concept. In James chapter 1, verse 21, Therefore lay aside all, notice not part, but all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive, put on, same concept, with meekness, the implanted word, notice, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. So the concept here is that when you are going back to the world, like a dog returning to its vomit, you're starting to dabble in these things of the world, what happens to the spirit? It gets closed off. And so that word of God that was already planted, that God by the Holy Spirit leading you as a sanctification is causing you to grow, there's a roof on it. So picture a tree trying to come up and then somebody builds a second story right over the top of it. And it's just, it's underground. It's, it's being hidden and it's hitting the semen above it. And this is what happens. You, you're, you're being stifled spiritually. And he's saying, get rid of it. Knock that roof off. Let that tree grow again. So many of you, spiritually, you ran well, but you've been hindered. You started running well, but now you've been bound up and you can't run the race with endurance anymore. You're all shackled up with this sin or that sin or this vice or that vice or this way of thinking rather than the right way of thinking. And so you're not able to run that race with endurance. You're being held back. Look over to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. There in verse 1. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, laying aside, same concept, put off all malice, all guile, hypocrisy, having one face one place, another face another place. The word hypocrisy is the word actor. And in those days, an actor would have masks. He would have one mask, he'd be one character, put on another mask, be a different character. And this is what he's saying. Don't be a different character everywhere you go. Don't be one way at 
work with a bunch of guys, be another way down at the bowling alley with a bunch of guys, and then at church or with another way, with the, the, the Christians. Don't be an actor. Put off that kind of stuff, the hypocrisy, the envy, and all evil speaking. Notice in verse 2, as newborn babes. How are we to be? As newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is gracious. So how should we be if we're renewed in the spirit of our mind, if we're renewed in the knowledge of him whose image we're trying to be in? There's just this real desire, just like a baby who wants to eat and it, it wants to suck at, at its mother's breast. So we are just to have this sincereness in us, just wanting just to go to the Bible and I just want to see Jesus in the Bible. I want to know Him. I want to love Him. I want to be like Him. I just, I just desire to know just what the Bible says. I just really want to know what the Bible's teaching me. And there you're hungry and you're reading and you're innocently just discovering things in the Scripture and God's speaking to you and stay right there. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word. So that's a real, that's a real clue, you see. I'm to wake up in the morning just going, all right, I got time to get in the Word. I just can't wait to go. And, you know, yesterday I left at Romans 13. I can't wait to read Romans chapter 14. And, and there I'm reading it and God's speaking. And I'm going all day. And oh, I can't wait till my break so I can read a couple of seconds there at the, the Bible. And, oh, man, I, I can't wait to get home tonight. I can't wait to, to, to read some more of the Word and, and go to home fellowship tonight. Oh, man, I just can't wait. And if that heart stops, you get up in the morning and go, oh, man. Can't wait till such and such a radio program comes on, or you get up and you want to know what's at the newspaper. You want to see who won the baseball game yesterday, and and all of a sudden, oh well, better read some of the Bible. I don't want to go out without, I want to go in the day without reading something, you know, out of the Bible, and you sort of do the Bible roulette thing. Oh, you know, oh, the Lord will smite them. Oh, no, I don't want that one. Uh, let's see, uh, you know. No, when you start doing that, you've lost your first love. You're not where you need to be. You're not that sincere. What's happened? What's happened? I guarantee what's happened. You went out back in the world. You started dabbling. You started putting something on of the old man. You took a couple things out of that old lifestyle. Oh, I remember when I used to listen to that band. Man, that was so cool. Although... The lyrics are clearly ungodly. Oh man, I used to love watching those movies. Let's go get them again. Let's. You start stepping back, you see, and you're no longer with that sincere milk of the word, like that newborn babe. Well, turning to Romans 13 once again. So let's cast off those work of darkness. Let's get rid of them. And let's put on, let's dress up. How? In the armor of light. Let's put on Jesus Christ. And in verse 13, let us walk properly as in the day. We're people of light. We should be dressed in the light, not in rivalry. This is actually a military word, and it was used after a military victory or a sporting victory. The, the word is translated sometimes riot. In other words, they're so hysterical over the victory, the military victory, or the sporting victory, they just began to let loose. Let their hair down, screaming and yelling, and, and of course today overturning cars and busting out windows downtown or whatever. And this is the attitude. You're, you're so earth-centered that you're just, you're in ecstasy over this earthly victory. And our minds would be on the things above where Christ is seated. So your team wins. It's like, all right, I'm glad they won. What's next? Let's go get in the Word, you see. But no, not them. It's like, man, my team won. I need to, I want, I want this victory to still fill. Let's go to the bar and, you know, let's, let's go drink and talk with people about the game. Let's, let's, and, and they just keep soaking it in until there's this spirit of partying over the military or the sporting victory. That's the Word. And he's saying here, 
let's let's not be a part of that anymore. That's that's the old life. Let's God's given us all things to enjoy. Sports are great, but they're not our our, our life. And I've I've been around Christians where we we've been at football games or baseball games, and when they are losing, they're just upset. And they just want to leave early and they're mad and they're or if they're winning, they're just like, oh man, I just I'm so overjoyed. But if they lose, they go home bummed and they're depressed. And something's wrong. Your heart is on the things of this world. And this is that concept. The next is drunkenness, which you already know about, plain and simple. And then not licentiousness, which is the, the term to give yourself a license. People can do that easily. Say, well, it's not right for everybody else to go watch that movie, but it's okay for me because, you know, I'm spiritually mature. Well, it's not for every, right for everybody else to be looking at that on the internet or the, or the magazine or to be talking like that or to be telling that joke. But, you know, if you're a young Christian, yeah, we, you, it could stumble you. I want to be careful not to tell you, but I'll just tell certain select, you know, Christians on the same wavelength as me. Let's be careful not to give ourselves a license to things that aren't pure and lovely and worthy of praise. And then lewdness, which again is the absence of sexual restraint. Again, the term there of giving yourself a license to sexually uh, do certain things that aren't pure, that aren't clean, that aren't right. And then not in strife or envy. Again, we're not to be striving like others in this world. Others in this world, man, they're striving to get that new car. They're striving to get the house. They're striving to get ahead at work. They're striving to... It's like, no. God's given us all things to enjoy. Unless the Lord watches the city, the watchman watches in vain. As Christians, we do what is the task in front of us well. If I'm supposed to be at work at 8 o'clock, I want to be there at 8 o'clock to be a testimony. But, man, if I'm there at 7 o'clock, maybe I can, you know. No. We don't, we don't have to push. We don't have to shove. We don't have to, to try to influence things and try to sneakily get ourselves ahead and this kind of stuff. We don't need to do it. God, God's already got it, the, the, the game planned out. He's already got things at work. I need to keep my nose clean. I need to be pure and walking rightly with the Lord. If I'm off in sin, then I, I need to worry because I, I am missing out on opportunities that God had planned for me. And that is a very big concern. It should be for every Christian. If you're off, you know, you spent last night partying, well, maybe today you missed out on Mrs. Wright or Mr. Wright. You, you missed out on them because they were at home fellowship the night you were out partying. Yeah, those things can happen, and that is scary, and it should be for every believer. But if we're walking in the Lord, not perfectly, we all sin every day but we're trying to focus and follow the Lord and keep our hearts set on Him, then I don't have to worry about what I'm going to eat or what I'm going to wear. Or am I going to get ahead? Or am I going to get that promotion? Or can I, you know, get enough money saved? Up? It's like, no, just be a good steward with what you have. Pray, trust in the Lord. All the things that God wants will be added unto us. In His timing, in His will, in His way, He'll add it unto us. I don't have to get caught up. In the, in the things of the world in that way. I don't have to strive or envy. Man, so-and-so, they got this and they got that. When we get to heaven, who's going to care? Well, man, you always had such nice clothes down on earth. <laughs> Who gives a rip? <laughs> well, you always lived in a good area of town down there on earth. Who cares? When we're in heaven, it's not going to matter anymore. But God, like salt out of a salt shaker, has, has put us all over the South Bay and San Diego area. So we have the neighbors we have. We live in the streets we, we live in. We, we shop where we shop. We buy gas where we buy gas. We work where we work. Why? Because God is trying to infiltrate the taste of Christianity in every single place. And we just need to bloom where we're planted. We need to shine where we're at, but not get wrapped up in strife, not get wrapped up in envy. None of those things really matter. And then finally in verse 14, and put on what? Jesus Christ. Look just like him. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, one more little point of reference. Make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill the lust. Guys, you are a giant stick of dynamite and the world is a match. 
So you go out in the world, don't be surprised if you explode. Man, I'm just I'm such a horrible sinner. No, it, it's chemistry. It's just chemistry. We are all weak people. If I get around three or four guys and, and man, they make me feel like one of them and, and if I laugh at their dirty joke, I feel like a more one of them and if they hand me a beer, man, I want to buy it for you today. And I, no, I, I don't drink. You know, I, I just think that's not a smart thing to do. Is I don't, the Bible says, you know, I, I need, I, all things are possible, but I'm not going to be put under the power of anything. I, need to, I want my body to be free. I don't want to head down that road. Oh, well. Gee, I bought it for you, you know. I thought you were going to drink it, you know. Oh, okay, well, you know, this one time. It's going to happen. 1 Corinthians 15.33, don't be deceived. Bad company will corrupt your good morals. It's going to happen. Man, I'm just so weak. It has nothing to do with weakness or strength. It has to be do with the fact you were positioned in a very stupid place. You get alone with a guy or a girl in the car overlooking San Diego up on a hill on a dark night. It has nothing to do with being strong or weak. You're stupid. That's the real problem. You've made provisions. You're going to fulfill it. You've set the stage. The play's going to go on. So you don't, you don't put yourself in that situation. You don't put yourself in the position where the lust can be fulfilled. So if you're around believers and you're at a Bible study and you're seeking the Lord, you see, you're not going to be in a situation where you can fall. But if you set yourself up in a situation where you're going to fall, guess what's going to happen? You're probably going to fall. So we now need to just be wise. We need to be smart. We need to just say, hey, I know the weakness of my flesh. I know the types of things my body leans towards. And so I'm not going to make an opportunity where it can lean. Now, I I never have drunk any alcohol. I I just, I don't like it. I don't like the smell of it. And, but at the same time, I'm not going to taste it to see what it tastes like either. I'm not going to give it a try. Because I don't want to head down that direction. Oh, Brian, don't you think a Christian can drink? You know, I'm not going to get into a stupid discussion on that. I just know if I never drink, there is no chance of me ever being addicted to alcohol. Right? But if I start drinking, is there a possibility? Of course there's a possibility. So why even lean that way? Why even head that way? The other night, me and my wife went out to eat at Chili's, and, and the lady said, well, if you guys want to wait for your table in the bar... You can. It's like, no, we'll just stay over here. Why even, why even go over there? Why even step that direction? Well, you don't have to get a drink there. Why? Why would I even want to go over there? I don't even want to, I don't even want to be over there. That's not even fitting for the saints. It's not, it's not the atmosphere. It's not the idea. I'm not going to have a discussion with my wife. It's just, no. Why? That's childishness on my part to say, well, what's it like to... Be a non-believer out here, you know? Hmm, well, this is what the kind of things non-Christians do. Oh, wow, yeah. this isn't so bad, you know? It's, it's ridiculous. In the same way, if you set yourself up, you're going to fall. Don't set yourself up. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's walk like Jesus, talk like Jesus. Experience the joy of freedom. The freedom in your mind, the freedom in your body. Just the freedom to be able to pick up the Bible and just hunger for it. Oh, man, I can't just wait to get home and read the Bible some more tonight. I'm free. But if you're here tonight going, man, Brian went late tonight. I'm not going to get my show in now. Might as well not even watch it. I'm going to be 10 minutes late. See, you're not free. You're not free. You're bound. You're addicted and you don't know it. You're, You're being ruled. What if the Spirit of God tells you right now to go fill up your car with gas and as you're doing it, there's somebody that you could talk about the Lord. Well, I, I can't because i got to get home. I got My show's coming on. I'll just give him a track real quick. Here, see you later. You're not free. You're not free. And that, that's where God wants you to be. It's free. I'm not, I have no restraint. I'm just, my time is the Lord's. My life is the Lord. My thought patterns are the Lord. I'm just 
wherever God wants me, whatever God wants me to do. I'm not having anything I have to get to or go to or lean on or be a part of to get me stimulated. I'm already stimulated right here where I'm at. I've got the word. I've got the opportunity to pray. I've got believers to talk about. Man, everything. I'm right where I need to be. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. We do ask that we would wake up, that we would cast off those works of darkness, that we would put on that armor of life, that we would put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and that we would quit making provisions for the flesh. Lord, I, I just ask in Jesus' name that you would really set us free here tonight. In Jesus' precious name, amen. If you need prayer.